what I'm about to say. Hey. I thought you were starting. Oh. <laughs> hey, this is Shelby. And this is Courtney. And thanks for joining us today on All Things Macabre. Here on All Things Macabre, we discuss all the things under the topic of odd, weird, true crime, supernatural, and fiction. This podcast contains language and content that is not suitable for all listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you find a topic we are discussing interesting, we encourage you to do some research on your own. You never know what you may learn. We are just a couple of old friends telling each other stories that we find interesting. And hoping that you'll enjoy and laugh along with us. Through some stories that are weird, true, or fictional that will just make you say, What the fuck? And now, for the fun part. Hey, Macabre Mob, it's Shelby. And Courtney. And we're back, finally. Finally, after a... In a couple weeks. Has it been weeks or a month? It's probably been about a month. A while. It's been a rough time. Take it away. (laughs) Well, to start out with, we had a tornado come through. It destroyed quite a bit of the area, actually. Like, not not like it did Mississippi. It didn't flatten us or anything, but it knocked knocked our power out for a total of about a week. It did a lot of damage. It did do a lot of damage. You know, in the little bit that it did, it did a lot. Yes. Because I remember whenever I came into town calling you and saying, um, have you seen this side of town? Yeah, you told me the fire station had the roof blown yes. off. There were power lines. I think uh, whenever I called the mayor, mm-hmm. I think I got told there was something like 150 power lines that got snapped. That's ridiculous. It took them um, about a week to get it all going. So I lost my food in my fridge and freezer. That was fun. And you and Tina got to stay two nights with me? Yes, we did. We bought a nice blow-up mattress. Uh, they have come a long way since the last time I bought that one. That thing was nice. <laughs> it is. It's very nice. So, we got to stay up there, but unfortunately, with all the stress of everything going on, it didn't work out, and then my cat started leaking out of her butt or something. <laughs> I don't know. I ended up taking her to the vet. That was $200 to find out she has fucking anxiety. Poor Jacker, though. Yeah, but, I mean, my like, poor baby. You guys had been through a lot prior to that, but I think also what set her off was you got the two of you leaving. Yeah, for a couple Jade, nights to stay with you. Jaden wasn't here, and there wasn't any power, and... and she was all alone. And she was, yes. With five other fucking cats. That she doesn't like. She does. She just acts like she don't. She likes most of them. <laughs> <laughs> she just acts like she don't. But then, we got back down here, got everything going again. Everything was great. And Until it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. There was a stop sign missing, and I got T-boned with Tina in the car, and it totaled the car. That was a fun ride. But thankfully, you and Tina are okay. Thankfully, everyone is okay. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, there, there was actually three cars involved in it, including ourselves. I keep forgetting about the third car, yeah, but yeah, there was right, there was three. It was a pretty hard hit. I'm uh, pretty sure we got hit about 60 miles an hour. 
Oh, I'm positive you did. They definitely were not doing the speed limit that, you know, to show the damage no, they was done to your car. No. And, I mean, I will say that you guys are all general, generally doing well, but Tina, her ankle took some damage, and so she was suffering with that for a while. Well, she while. caught the side that they hit on, too. Yes. I will say Tina's a trooper. Let's, she is a trooper. Let's all take a round of applause for Tina, which I would clap, but it would bust everybody's eardrums, but, you know. Round of applause. Yay. She's you know, trooper. Like, she, she, is. she was the one that got hurt, but she was also the one that, out of all, all of us, mm-hmm. she's the only one that got hurt. But she's the only one who really got the impact right on yes. her. I'm, I'm surprised the airbags going off in their car didn't hurt them, mm-hmm. but I'm glad it didn't. Uh, it, was, it was really rough. So now we're kind of at a loss for that, and we're just rolling with the punches. Oh, in your refrigerator. Oh, yes. And then my couple days after the car got totaled my refrigerator decided to quit working so we lost everything in the fridge again and let me just tell you the milk that i had in there was like a ticking time bomb when i pulled it out i was scared to pull it out i thought it was gonna blow up (laughs) i'm really glad i didn't smell that i'm glad that i wasn't here to witness (laughs) that because i would have been very very anxious nervous both it was rough i it just went out unexpectedly no reason I, I don't know. We had just replaced everything from the power going out. But I know you and Tina have been talking to me about kind of like, why is this happening to us? And, you know, I've kind of told you guys that looking at it as a fresh start is coming, maybe. Oh, there's a know? whole fresh start. Yeah, so I mean, we're, like, we're starting. Everything's getting wiped clean. But I do have to give a shout out to Teresa. That Yes. Thank you, Teresa, for doing everything you have for she is like Tina my mom around here and shelby she is amazing she she's more than a co-worker she's more than a friend she's she's like a fucking mom she's awesome i i called her whenever we had the wreck because i didn't know who else to call she was the first call i made she immediately answered and she immediately left the house to come get me she also hung out with us for a while at the hospital and brought us home. So thank you, Teresa, very much. Another, I don't know what we would have done without you. Another round of applause for Teresa. Yes, Teresa, thank you. Eventually, we'll kind of like give out little badges of honor. You know, like, yeah. here you go, ding. Here, there we go. You know, there we go. Ding, for, yeah, ding. ding. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like the little shine. You know, like the sun hits them. <laughs> ding. <laughs> so my life has been very eventful. Obviously, not good, but we're getting there. How have you been? I've just been busy with work. And unfortunately, I can't talk about work because of legal things, but it's been a roller coaster. I haven't had a day off in three weeks now, except yeah, for today. Yeah. I took off today only for us to be working with the podcast, but we, I've looked forward to this. and I've, You have. And I've missed it. But um, it's been a time. But both of I, you and I have been stressed out during this entire time that this has been going on. But we have noticed that regardless of everything is falling apart, you and I can at least check in on each other and say, hey, are you good? Yes, that is, is something okay? that everyone needs in life, honestly. Just someone to be able to be able to check on you. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. It's a big help, and I know it's a big help for you as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I was, I will say that since I'm not here to be able to like be local within like five, ten minutes to come and help, I've been able to try to do what I can from a distance. So oh, that's yeah, another yeah. reason why I... mean, I, hell, you helped us out when we had no power for days. That, that is true. I did. <laughs> yeah, because if I would have lived five or ten minutes, I'd have been like, well, guys, I guess we're, we're both fucked. <laughs> Look, I, I got to the point, the power went out. When we were going to get a frozen pizza to cook, right? Yes. So I, I was like, all right, bet. Well, we'll just cook a frozen pizza some other way. Hi, okay, the, the stove plugs in. 
There's yeah. no way I could do it. It's a range stove, not gas. Yeah. So I lit my grill up. I found out you can actually grill a frozen pizza. It looked nice. It was alright. It was uh, it was it flatbread. Looked- I might have cooked it a little long. It looked pretty to me. You know, it was, well, it was spinach. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell what was on it. To be honest with you, I just knew that it looked like a uh, a tasty pizza. Which I mean, pizza to me is just that in itself. As pizza is good. <laughs> yeah, we love food. <laughs> yes, we do. Does food need its own little bad of, badge of honor too? Ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. To- we are back. Sorry about that, guys. I know y'all understand life happens. Hopefully we'll come back in and give y'all some more good stuff to listen to. I know you've been working hard on some stuff, and I'm excited for some things that you are working on. You're excited. Well, I should say Tina's more excited for the things that I'm doing because I like to pick on you and call you a non-believer, but you know, (laughs) um, or skeptic. I am excited to hear it, though. But I have some things that I'm working on. I just have to get my life together. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've been saying that for four years now. (laughs) But I do have a story for today. You do? I do. I know when you told me about it, I was like, that name sounds familiar. And then when you started explaining, I was like, oh, yes. So, yes. And with further ado, though, I'll shut up and I'll let you take it away. Well, this this story, I guess, is a true crime. It has, yeah. It is solved. They they know what happened. But it's kind of unsolved as to why. But it is still going to trial. It, it, not everything's come out yet. It's also fairly recent, too. It is fairly recent. So this happened back in January of 2022. So it, it was fairly recent. This is the case about Lacey Fletcher. Lacey Ellen Fletcher was born November 25th, 1985. So what would that make her? A Sagittarius. So a Sagittarius, in terms of... General speaking slash general scope of a Sagittarius, they're adventure seeking. They like to travel. When I say travel, I don't mean like necessarily you physically go travel. You know, it could be anything that keeps them from or is like a... Like travel in your mind? Yes. Escape from reality type thing. That's the word I was looking for. I guess it would be fair to mention before you get too far into this that she was diagnosed with autism, possibly Asperger's. Yes. And with that being said, it's important to really highlight and focus on the fact of not physical adventure, but they're always looking at new things, trying to discover new things, whether it's, you know, like I said, physically doing it or researching it or reading about it, watching movies and, you know, learning things about them. Whatever they can do to keep them from being bored, they have to continue to look into the new things. Okay. They're very uh, positive, outseeking people, friendly, talkative all general around, you know, very social people. It's, it's pretty fitting from what I know. There's very limited knowledge about her childhood, really. Uh, she was born to Clay and Sheila Fletcher. She grew up in Slaughter, Louisiana. It's a small town in the bottom of the East Feliciana Parish, which parish is kind of like a county. Mm, okay. It's only about 30 minutes north of Baton Rouge. Okay. A lot of people are talking about it being Slaughter, Louisiana. It's a pretty fucked up name. Just the word slaughter just makes me um, get the, I was going to say heebie-jeebies, I don't know. It just makes me feel weird. Because it's, it's, not, it's not something that I would be comfortable being like, let me go live in slaughter. Let's go on slaughter. Because it's like, I feel like I'm going to go get slaughtered in slaughter. Yeah. 
And that, I think that's how a lot of people are seeing it, because they're really talking about the name of the town being Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to do a little research, because you know how I am. It was actually a like a train stop or something back in the day where they would slaughter animals. Okay. So that that's that where the sense. name came from. It, I've also heard it was like a couple of brothers' last name Slaughter. But that would also make sense. It was still dealing with something along the lines of name or what they did in the town or the as far as animals. Slaughter brothers slaughtered animals. They could have been the Slaughter brothers slaughtering animals. It's really hard to say. <laughs> It's like, what does that word even have any relevance now? <laughs> We've said it so many times. Slaughter, slaughter. <laughs> so, it has a population of a whopping 1,035, according to the 2020 census. It only has a total area of 5.48 square miles. So, if you need a comparison, let me give you a couple. Alright, you, you know a little bit about Tennessee. The mm-hmm. area of Nashville. Yes. It's pretty big. Yeah. Is 525.94 square miles. It's also the 13th largest city in the U.S., I believe. Damn, really? I actually didn't know that until I got into this. But, yeah, it's actually a pretty big city. Uh, Pulaski, you know, where we're from back in the day. Mm -hmm. Pulaski is only 7.51 square miles. Okay, so it's a little bit bigger than Slaughter at 5.48. But not by much. Not by much. But the population in 2020 in Pulaski was 8,397. Holy shit. Where a slaughter was only 1,035. That, that's insane. That's a pretty big difference. And for you other guys out there that may not know anything about Nashville or anything, Pulaski, all of them, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, pretty popular place, is 23.69 square miles. Destin, Florida is 7.66 square miles. I do have to give a shout out, though, to Lost Springs in Converse County, Wyoming. I believe they are the smallest city in the United States with an area of only 0.09 square miles. That is tiny. Well, they only have a population of about six, according to the 2020 census. I was going to say, what, two? (laughs) Yeah, they they don't have a lot there. Um, However, Sitka, Alaska... Is the largest by area, it's 4,815.1 square miles and a population of 8,458. But they're the ones that are braving it out there. Like, it, it's cold up there. So Alaska and Wyoming get their own little badge. Yes, the ding, ding. <laughs> so, from the age of around nine, I couldn't find anything before. Okay. But, but- from the age of around nine... The house that she lived in was 2568 Tom Drive. That was their home. It was in Ashcliff Acre Subdivision. I looked it up on Google Maps, of course. It's a 3.64 acre lot, so I mean, a pretty good little size. It's a 1,755 square foot single family home worth about 400000 according to Realtor.com. So I mean, it's a pretty nice little house. I also read somewhere that they had an upstairs Looking from the pictures, it looks like they may, but it's a little hard to tell. I mean, I've never been in it. I don't plan right. to. <laughs> Their lawn was beautifully cut. It was so green. Like, all the lawns through there were just beautifully manicured. There was a long driveway that passed by an iron light post into a carport, into a single car garage, and a nice chain link fence in the backyard. And I was really looking at it because it looks like at one point they may have had a pool in the backyard. 
but I think it might be gone now, or it's in ground or a pond. I'm not sure. Okay. Not sure, but it's over there by the air conditioner. There's a little hole or something. Something was there. Or yeah. is there. It's got a nice gray tin roof, red brick, and cider exterior. It, it really like a is a nice house. place. Like, it's a really nice place. Lacey attended school at Brownfield's Baptist Academy in Baton Rouge. That's a mouthful. That is. It was only about 20 to 25 minutes from her house. That's so, not bad. yeah, it's not that bad of a drive. She was on the volleyball team, which there was a photo from the 97 to 98 team that is out there. And she had friends, but they didn't really hang out. So more of a, like an acquaintance than mm-hmm. a friend. A lot of people said that she was really sweet and really talkative, like you were saying. Sagittarius. Like yeah. a, a new person will come to the school and she was the one to be like, oh yeah, come sit with me at lunch. Like, I don't want you to feel left out. That's you know, really stuff sweet. like that. So she she was really kind-hearted. She started to become more withdrawn, and her parents took her to the doctor, where she was said to have been treated for about three years. She was diagnosed with Asperger's, which, as we were talking, Asperger's is a form of autism. It's where they have a difficult time relating to others socially, and their behavior and thinking patterns can be rigid and repetitive. Which, now, Asperger's is no longer a thing, nor is autism. It's just within the spectrum. And it's kind of based on where you're placed within the spectrum because of how many diagnoses are covered within autism. Everyone is different. And because of the individuality, that's why they more or less put it as a spectrum. So for this context, I get why you're referring to Asperger's, but for... Well, that's what they yes. had her diagnosed with. They were all... She got diagnosed back in like... This This was back when she was about, you know, 13, 14. So the... The terms were definitely different then. Yes. So she was diagnosed with Asperger's. Yes. But I totally get where you're going with the new system they've got. They're learning more about it every day. So it's a developing thing. Mm -hmm. So she had a neighbor, Robert Blades, who had a son, Robert Blades. They were both Robert. Robert Jr. Yeah. Well, actually, Robert Blades, I believe, was the second. I believe his son was the third. But I'm Uh, not going to get into all that. (laughs) Uh, the son actually talked to DailyMail.com saying that she has become different. She just didn't see things the way that a lot of other kids did. I last saw her around 15 years ago, like my dad. I wouldn't say I was particularly her friend. She'd hang out with my younger brother sometimes. But she was definitely different from the other kids at her age. I knew she was not your typical teenager. She was smart. She was smart as hell. But I guess the best way to put it is that she wasn't as mature as us. She still liked children things, not teenage things. When she was 17 or 18, she was more into Disney movies and country music. She did invite us over to watch Disney movies, despite being more withdrawn. But that really wasn't my forte. I was 18. I used to ride motorcycles. So, you know, I get what he's saying. That that's part of her on the spectrum. Yes. She is stuck in that more childlike mentality. Her cognitive functioning is is still at the functioning level of a younger child. Where he's saying, I'm 18, I'm interested in motorcycles, and I'm interested in these new current cooler things. Where she's still, to me, in my eyes, from his view. Let's have a tea party and watch Disney. Yes. Basically. Which is not something he's interested in. Which explains why to them they say she's more withdrawn. When in all reality, what I am hearing is she more or less did not fit in with what they were currently interested in. That's kind of what I'm feeling as well, because 
girls her age would want to go shopping and talk about boys and do all this other stuff. And she'd want to play with dolls. And she'd invite them over. Mm -hmm. But she'd want to play with dolls and watch Disney movies and do more childlike things and games and stuff. And it just kind of separated them. But no one was ever mean to her about it. They were never like, nah, man, that's some childish shit. I ain't doing that. They were real nice to her about it. Just like, oh, no, I, I can't do it today or whatever. So she didn't have anyone outside that I know of being an asshole to her. A classmate of hers for their 7th to ninth grade years said that she was one of the first people that I was friends with when I started at the school and she was already there. She was thoughtful, just sweet is the word I keep coming back to. One of the sweetest people you could ever meet. So very kind. Lacey could be quiet, but could also be vocal with her opinions. That's something kind of to remember. Just remember, she can. She was quiet, but she could be vocal with her opinions. And, and this shows again that she was that sweet person that would not let someone feel left out. She began to retreat more into isolation in her teens. And since her school only went to ninth grade, she ended up being homeschooled for the rest, which she did get her diploma. I had to do a little digging into this because people say that her parents took her out of school. Mm -hmm. Brownfields only went to ninth grade. So at that point in time, she had to make a choice of being homeschooled or going to another school. And with her being diagnosed and her having those withdrawn issues already, they ended up putting her in the homeschool program. Which would make sense. It does make sense. It's a change of scenery, something completely different, different schedule, different school, different For only three years. For only three years where you could instead homeschool her where there's less anxiety. She has more one-on-one experience and it's some place that she's comfortable with and knows. At least that's what you assume with homeschooling. Yes. I was homeschooled for years. Not not my entire school career. But Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I was homeschooled for years, and I did get that one-on-one attention, and if I had issues, I would be able to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So it actually really helped me in life. But I had a good teacher. That was my mom. She made sure to take her time with me, and I mean, hell, she had me on Hooked on Phonics when I was a baby, so. <laughs> Does Kelly get her own little badge, too? I guess. Ding! There you go, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So, her parents said in 2010 that Lacey started refusing to leave the couch for any reason, not even to go to the bathroom. They said that she was still able to communicate and just refused to get up and go to the bathroom. So, they bought her a portable toilet to put over beside the couch. And she still refused to get up and use it. She would just go right where she sat on the couch. Does this sound like a spectrum thing? Not necessarily, unless it was something that she's always done. But this seems to be well, something... she was going to school. I was, was going to say, this seems something very subtle or, you know, just recently happened. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I don't mean subtle. I mean recently happened. And I'm confused of how she was, like you said, going to school. She was doing well. She was voicing that she needed things. She advocated for herself. And now that she's at home... She's not using... She refuses to get up and go to the bathroom. She refuses to get off the couch. And, you know, I I know a little bit about Spectrum, but I don't know a lot. Like I said, there's a lot to know. I don't think anyone will ever know all of it. No. But I was looking into it, and, and there are some hygiene issues that some people on the Spectrum have. Yes. But it's not refusing to get up. It's not refusing to go to the bathroom. It's more of either they don't 
feel it. Yes. Or they're being stubborn. Or AKA they do not know how to communicate it. Right. Right. Which comes off as being stubborn. And. But that's still, you're not going to have someone refuse to get up off a couch. No. Covered in shit. Especially if she was, and like I said, unless this was something she was doing prior, which I think would have been addressed at the school and she would have had something. Now, I I doubt you were able to look into this, but I do have a question for you. Do you know if her school offered any special accommodations such as having a one-on-one with her throughout the school? I did look into it, actually. Okay. They didn't really have a good program for that. I figured. But... They were supposed to, they helped her the way they could within the school. They should have gotten outside help to have someone personal come in and try to help her. Well, also with that, though, she would have needed an IEP or aka an individualized education plan, which would have offered outside resources to come in. But most of the time, schools will not promote it because... They don't know what the family wants, or they they can't initiate it, definitely, so it comes off as not promoting it, if that makes sense. The parent has to initiate it and come to the school and say, hey, I feel like Susie needs a IEP, and we have to start that meeting, and you have to justify why Susie needs it. Would the parents be responsible for the cost? Do you know? No. No? Even at a private school, or is that possibly different? That is different. Okay, well, this is a private school, but... It still shows that the resources were there. Yes, and they could have asked for something. Because I'm sure the school had something. They they would they, they did, but not like a program like we had in our school. Yes. They, they didn't quite have that. So they decided they were just going to let her sit on the couch, have her way. They would put a freaking towel up under her so she could relieve herself on the towel. And they would just bring her food and water or whatever. Okay, so for what I'm hearing... I'm automatically against the parents, but from what I'm hearing is, it's not necessarily she did not, she as in Lacey did not do anything. The parents did not want to take care of her in that manner, so they half-assed it and was like, well, just sit here, we'll bring everything to you, such as why they brought the toilet to the thing. Exactly. They themselves did not want to physically help her or escort her to do that sort of thing that she needed, which is why she probably withdrew and sat in there because they were not initiating it. See, what I'm thinking is pretty much along those lines, is they were like, all right, you want to shit yourself? Fine. Here's a toilet so you don't even have to get up and go to the bathroom. Yes. But they couldn't care enough to actually go clean her up and physically carry her to a doctor to figure out why she's acting like this. Because I feel that they thought that it was something she was choosing to do because they did not understand the diagnosis. And they looked at it as, like you said, well, fine, you're doing this to yourself. You're going to learn and you're going to sit in it. Yes. You're you're going to learn from your mistakes because you're stubborn. I understand that thought. You know, I grew up a little bit like that. I, I had to deal with some of that, but not severe like that. But that tough love mm-hmm. aspect, it doesn't work in this case. And it I- doesn't because, look, if someone is sitting in their own feces and urine and they're refusing to get up, there's a problem in their head. An animal's not going to sit in their own excretion. I mean... You literally can put a rabbit in a small cage, and it'll eat on one side, sleep on the same side, and go shit in the other side. 
So a human's not going to do that either, no matter what, mm-hmm. unless there is a mental incapacity there. Mm-hmm. So there is definitely something wrong, I think. I personally, if my son started acting like that, I'd probably get mad at first. And I'd probably be like, dude, how are you shitting yourself? Like, this this ain't right. But if he continued doing it for even a couple of days, I'd have him to the hospital. And if he wanted to fight me on it, okay, we're going to call an ambulance. I also have to look at the time frame, too. And given still the mindset and that's in that time frame, it was still looked at as, well, you're doing this to yourself. And the tough love thing was promoted. Mm-hmm. So to them and their mindset, they think that they are right by just letting her try to do it learn from her own. Not realizing or even if they do somewhat realize it, they're not wanting to take the ownership to the fact that they're neglecting her. Okay, so let me throw this one at you. So they got worried about her, right? Like, this is obviously a problem. So they went to the doctor. She refused to go. You know, she refuses to get up. She refused to go. So they went without her. And they told him what was going on and everything. And the doctor told them they needed to take her to the hospital to get her admitted. They said they considered getting a commitment order to place Lacey in a medical facility. But Lacey cried about it and didn't want to go. So it never happened. She cried about it because, again, it was a change of scenery, which is what would have happened if she would have went to the high school or different school because it was a different setting. This is also a medical setting, which is very scary. For anyone. Anybody. And when you have someone who doesn't know how to explain how they feel or understand what their emotions are. communicate anything. And communicate it. It comes out sometimes as outbursts. Most likely it comes out as outbursts. But it's because of all the pent-up emotions and the frustration that she is feeling. They're just looking at it as she's throwing a fit. And so fine, we're just going to do it our damn selves. And so we're going to try to take it another route. She can, to them again, throws a fit. And I'm using air quotations for, you know, the listeners who can't see me doing this. So therefore, we're just going to drop it. We're not going to do it because she's not um, participating in doing what we want her to do. Yes. So, I know you don't have... You've got kids, but you don't have your own kid. What would you do if your kid was doing all that and refused and started crying about going to the hospital? What would you do personally? Well, first of all, which, I mean, then again, my viewpoint comes from a therapeutic viewpoint, point blank in story. And I would be, I would have to look at it as my child is freaking out. I need to be able to calm them down and explain to them, I understand that you're scared, validate their feelings understand and relate to them why that they are feeling that way but also explain this is to help you not to hurt you and I'm going to be there with you through the scary time and even if they do still continue to you know be upset and have outbursts again continue to go back to what I was doing in terms of reassuring them providing support literally holding their hand if I need to and just taking it step by step, slowly doing it, not forcing them and grabbing them and being like, well, let's go anyway. You need to go. I don't give a damn how you feel. You know, if it takes me three hours to get this child to the hospital, I guess we'll take three hours that's, to get to the damn that's hospital. That's what I was going to get at next was what about the time frame? Would you ever ultimately force them to go? I mean, you got to remember this girl is not moving. She is not able to take care of herself if it came down to it i would call the ambulance and have them come and we would we i wouldn't that would be a last case resort scenario but ultimately but ultimately i would have the ambulance come and we or at least someone come to the house and see her yes i would do that i would have them come to her but still i mean (sighs) 
different scenarios or, and people handle things differently. But of course, which is why I said I look at it through a therapeutic view and that's how I would handle it. But regardless, if I knew my child, this was a life or death situation and my child was still saying point blank, I'm not going because I'm upset. We're going to call the damn ambulance and they're coming to get my child or some somebody I'm is glad. coming to see my child. I'm glad you and I see eye to eye on that because I agree. Like... I'm I'm gonna mess with you a little bit. I'm gonna try to help you out. I'm gonna try to do it easy. But ultimately, if it's gonna be something you have to do, I'm gonna make you do it. Because I'm your parent, and I yes, have to make that exact exactly. decision for you. She is obviously not able to make those decisions on her own. And she's also not functioning at the level that they think that she should, which is also fucking this up because she's fun. She is functioning at a lower level cognitive, you know, age, which I would assume probably would be close to preteen. Possibly, yes. The way it sounds. Or maybe younger. Yes. Yeah. But around that time frame, yeah. But they're wanting her to be functioning at like a 15, 16, 17 year old, which she's not. And that's right. why we are in the situation. And they're just still like, well, fuck it. She's just being hard headed. It's all on her. Well, you want to hear a little bit about the parents? Maybe you'll understand a little more. Not really, but sure. <laughs> well, they regularly attended a nearby Baptist church in Zachary. It's about halfway between Slaughter and Baton Rouge. They were described as very well-respected in the town. Clay was a member, I've also heard president, of the Baton Rouge Civil War Roundtable, and he was also on the planning and zoning committee of the town. I don't know if he actually made money or not. No one can find reports of it. But he still had social status. He had social status, for sure. So that's as far as I can find for work for Clay. Sheila, however, was a town alderman, and she held a position as an assistant to the city prosecutor. She worked as a court clerk in Baker before she became an assistant to the city prosecutor in Zachary. So, what's an alderman, right? Yeah. I mean, I was not into council, student council stuff. Yeah, I was going to ask what that was. I'm I'm not too hip on all that stuff, so I looked it up, and an alderman is a high-ranking member of city council that is chosen by elected members rather than popular vote. So the Board of Aldermen, what they do is they create, pass, and amend local laws and approve the city's budget every year. Okay. So the alderman is still under the mayor. The mayor represents the people at a city or county level where the aldermen are elected by the residents of a district to represent the resident's best interests, kind of like a congressman. Okay. So they're they're up there, close to the mayor, but they're they're under the mayor. So I mean that's that's a pretty prestigious title to have, especially in a town of only eight thousand. Right. Or, I'm sorry, that's Pulaski, a town of only a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that's even worse. That is. So yeah, a town of a thousand and thirty-five. That that's a pretty high title to have. Which screams to me, they had resources at, you know, flick of a wrist. Like, all they had to do is point at somebody say, hey, you, I need this. Can you do this for me? Or, hey, do you know so-and-so who maybe have some type of idea of what my daughter or why my daughter could be doing what she's doing? Could you hook us up? Could, you know, what kind of references or resources can you throw at us to help us? Well, don't forget that little part where she had worked as a policing court clerk in Baker. And then she became an assistant to the city prosecutor. So she knew? She knows a little bit about law. She knows about how the police system works. 
She knows that stuff. She knows better than to leave her daughter there. And he does too. So, okay, well, hear me out on this. Since they have these prestigious roles in the community, do you think maybe they did not try to seek help or voice that they needed help because they looked at her as an eyesore or something that would blemish their view within the community? That was definitely a thought. Uh, Something I had read throughout the research in this was that the neighbor, Robert Blades, Mm -hmm. the, the older one, used to see her go outside in the driveway about... 15, 16 years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would go, like, take little hand weights, like little one or two pound weights or whatever, and mm-hmm. walk around the driveway and work out a little bit a couple times a week. And then she just stopped going out. So he assumed that she got older, maybe got married, moved off and all that. So about five or six years ago, he actually saw Clay, the dad, and was like, hey, you know what? Whatever happened to Lacey? And she's like, Oh, she still lives here. You know, she's, you know, and changed the subject. So people didn't really even know she was still there. What I'm hearing, too, is all of a sudden change happened after she got that label of the diagnosis. And most of the time, well, I hate to say this, and I hate to even say most of the time. So I will say... 50-50 of the time. Parents either look at the diagnosis of of their child having autism and they're like, oh my God, they're broken. There's nothing I can do. This child is an insult to me, my genes, my family. What did I do wrong during the pregnancy? Yes. What did I do wrong when you were a baby? When you didn't do shit. Yeah, that's right. It's the same thing as a mental health disorder. I hate to compare it that way, but you can't control it. No, you can't. But... They look at it as like that and they're like, well, this child can't help themselves. They can't help continue to carry on the honor of our family that we have created. Instead of carrying on our family, they're a burden. Yes, and they are a burden. Yes, exactly where I was headed to. And they are a burden. So therefore, we're just going to hide them away. Which actually, I have encountered quite a few times working with children with autism spectrum. Whenever I did work in residential facilities, there were children from other countries sent there because of that. Oh, wow. Well, that that's what it seems like to me, is they were trying to hide her away. I mean, how are you going to have someone ask about your daughter and then just change the subject real quick and not mention it again? Yeah, because most parents are like, oh, they're doing great. You want to see the picture of so-and-so? Look how big they've gotten. Talk and- about my, my boy all the time, and he ain't even really mine. Right, <laughs> and they have achieved these things, and they've done this, and they've done that, and I'm so proud of them. And instead of just being like, well, I don't know, because even you hear, I don't know, it either means I am ashamed of you or that person has cut complete contact with me and I don't know what to say to you because I don't know what my child is doing. It's either or. Yeah, well, I, I just think it's ridiculous. I mean, he, he let it go. He didn't think anything of it, which, I mean, honestly. Who would? I don't see some of my neighbors for months at a time. Right. I don't really care about what's going on with them. I, well, I would feel bad if I found out something bad happened to them, but I'm not nosy a lot of neighbors aren't nosy to go get in someone's business like that you may peek out your windows but you're not gonna go talk to them this is also a small town where everybody probably knows everybody so therefore regardless you know who the johnsons are down the street and you know the thomases or something you know like everybody knows these people so it has been reported by the coroner's office that the parents were actually on a weekend trip when Lacey died Although Sheila did tell detectives that she last saw her daughter alive around 10 p.m. that night, January 2nd, and fell asleep in a chair in the living room and woke up around 2 a.m. and found out Lacey was not breathing, and that's when she called 911. So were they on a trip or were they at home? 
Well, I was kind of trying to read through the lines on that a little bit and see what I felt. The way it sounds to me is maybe they came home Sunday night at some time. They might have seen her at 10. I don't know. But I think they came home from the trip and then found out she was dead. So she probably died while they were on the trip. Yeah, because, I mean, she really can't take care of herself. Right. She's not getting off the couch, so how is she going to get food and water if they're not there? And they didn't want to go through the effort of trying to pick her up or, you know, move her or take the, oh, God forbid, take the child on the trip with you. Yeah. So, the chair, I found out also, the chair was like a recliner, and it was a few feet away from the couch that her mom slept in. It was a leather chair, wasn't it? You're thinking about the leather couch that she was on. Okay. But Lacey was on the couch. There was a recliner that was a few feet away. I don't know which side, but it was a few feet away from the couch, and I guess that's where Sheila fell asleep and then woke up at two and found her not breathing. Okay. East Feliciana Parish Coroner, bear with me, Dr. Ewell DeWitt Bickham Third. So I'm going to call him Bickham. Bickham. He recorded the official time of death at 3.07 a.m. Monday, January 3rd, 2022. Although, he believed that she was deceased for at least 24 to 48 hours before that. So she would have passed away while they were on this trip, right? That's what it sounds like to me. The, the thing that got me a little bit, the coroner, who probably knows what he's talking about, said that she was dead for a day or two before... The call, right? Mm-hmm. The parents told detectives that she had started eating less the previous fall, but that night, she ate half a sandwich and Cheetos on January 2nd. So was she dead, or was she eating the sandwich that you're making up? I'm going to go with she was dead, because also to think about that, because, you know, the coroner said that it was between 24 to 48. He can't really decide. Also, because, let's not forget, decomposition is... it's. We'll get into that a little bit here in a second, actually. So I, my money is on she's, she passed away before this happened. The parents claimed that she was of sound mind and was able to make her own decisions. They were adamant about that, actually. But when the coroner arrived on scene, he said he opened the door, walked into the house. There was such a stench, an odor, fecal matter, urine, you, you couldn't. Hold your breath. That's pretty bad. Pretty bad doesn't begin to cover it, but yes, that's that's terrible. And you want to say that this just happened? There's no way. And you fell asleep in a chair in the same room? Smell? That's another thing. And could you imagine what poor Lacey had to fit? Because she, she lived in that. Yeah. Uh, think about the diseases and bacteria and all the negative stuff, which we will get into that too. The coroner also said that the father was completely emotionless. And the mother's head was lying down on, like, between her legs and she was weeping a little bit. I don't know if I feel bad. For Lacey? No, I definitely feel bad for Lacey. For her mom. Obviously, her dad's an emotionless prick. I don't know how I feel about mom. I feel like mom probably regretted it. Regretted, maybe. But... But why would she not 
have kept her cleaned up and made her go to the doctor or had a doctor come see her. I feel like dad had a lot of play into that. And so she was submissive. I hate to say that, but possibly was submissive and just respected him. I don't know. Because I think she, I think she might've been the breadwinner. (laughs) True. But again, social status. I may be wrong, but regardless, she's still guilty. I don't, I mean, I don't feel sorry for her. I'm like you, I feel terrible for Lacey and that she had experienced this because that is not her fault and not fair to her. No. These two assholes, on the other hand, they deserve to go through what their daughter went through, point blank they in do. the story. They do. So the dis- I don't feel sorry for them. Yeah, the district attorney actually said later on that the conditions in which she was found, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you don't treat anybody or any animal like that. Again, they should have experienced what they put their daughter through. That is your child. It is. It It's ridiculous. So, quick disclaimer. These are a little graphic. The descriptions. The pictures are actually so graphic. They've released, I think, one or two pictures of the couch. Mm-hmm. But no one will release the rest of the pictures. In fact, during the jury selection, the pictures were shown to them. It was so bad and so graphic. They actually had EMS right there on site because people were throwing up and they were worried about them passing out and shit. Which I believe it. I remember when this case was starting and I remember I had stumbled upon the pictures of the couch. And I did not want to see anything past the couch because of how horrific the couch was. The description is pretty horrific. So if you don't want to hear this, go ahead and skip the rest of this. Her face was covered in large red blotches, and feces was smeared all over her body. It was matted into her hair, in her ears, her nose. She had maggots on her. She had maggots in her. She had insect bites all over her body. The hole in the couch was filled with feces and urine, to the point that it was actually going through the couch and causing the floor to warp. The coroner said it looked like she had been on that couch for at least 12 years. That's a long fucking time. She had bed sores that went all the way to her bone and severe ulcers found on her underside. Her skin had fused to the couch from the years of rotten regrowth. Oh my god. So I got a little curious about that. And I've actually looked up some bed sores and stuff. I don't recommend it at all. But I looked up bed sores and how bad they could get, and I wanted to understand a little bit about what she went through, because even if I could see her pictures, I don't know if I'd want to. From what I'm hearing, bed sores meant that she did not move at all, because that's how you get bed sores, is sitting in one position in the pressure, which is why elderly people who are in the nursing home, or even somebody who's in the hospital, like someone in a coma, they turn them. Yeah. So they don't develop bed sores. Exactly. And so what I'm hearing from this is this poor girl sat there this entire time in this stable position and could not move. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think what I'm hearing is it wasn't a refusal to move. I feel that the child could not move. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Oh, when you get bed sores, what it does is it it basically stops the blood from flowing. Mm -hmm. So then you don't get oxygen and all that. And it starts to die. So these bed sores or ulcers that she was having from it, it was rotting her skin away. And she's still alive, so your skin's trying to regrow. That's so painful. That has to be painful. So with all of the stuff in the couch and her not moving, 
Her skin was regrowing into, into the couch. The couch. When they pulled her off, pieces of her skin were coming off into the couch. It, I also saw one article. I couldn't find it again to do the source on it, but saw one article that said that she had a pressure sore on her head and her skull was exposed with maggots in it. But I can't find that to say where it was from or if it's true. That is terrible. It is. There was a table that was a few feet away and it was cluttered with lotion bottles, talcum powder, a pack of wipes, some nasal spray, a few other things, as well as two neatly stacked boxes of DVDs between the sofa and the table, which they all appeared to be like childlike movies from what the picture showed from reports. Here's what I'm going to say right now. I don't think... That stuff may have been there. I don't know. But I don't think it was used. And I think it was set up from the time they walked in and found their daughter dead mm -hmm. to the time they called. Mm -hmm. To stage it to make it look like... Because, like you said, she had fecal matter in her hair and on her face. If she had wipes and lotion and if she had talcum powder... First of all, the lotion and the talcum powder would have been used on the sores that she had. Second of all, those wipes would have cleaned off all the fecal matter within her fingers and nails and her hair. You know, everything that was... Where it was, she would have been bathed properly. She would have been moved from this chair. And the DVDs, like you said, I feel like they just found like what they felt was just something quick and easy to grab, which was probably like her favorite DVDs in all honesty, when she was able to see them or watch them. And they had to stage it to make it look like they were parents of the year. Yes. So when the detectives and everybody came in to look at it, they were like, oh, look at this. You can see where they try to take care yes, of her. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Now, first of all, the DVDs are stacked nicely. She's not even getting up off the couch. Are they putting DVDs in there? Does she have anything to stimulate her mind or is she just sitting there constantly declining mentally? I feel, because th that's what I'm feeling, is the reason why she declined so quickly, or not, well, I mean, well, over yeah. a decade is still quickly in a way. I mean, for her to go from being outgoing, talkative, you know, inviting friends over, having a social life, to completely doing nothing and being stable and doing everything, I feel that what ended up happening is when she was going to homeschool, the parents overestimated how, or underestimated the effort that was going to have to go into this, and therefore it was easier to say, well, here's just some snacks here's you a chair here's you some movies take off and she grew to that routine so using the bathroom and doing everything was put to the side because she was hyper fixated on that one outlet that so sense. it was a built-in babysitter so they didn't have to parent or actually teach her anything that makes sense they go on and do what they want to do and so therefore they would just try to shove snacks at her and do everything and then that's why they put the bedside toilet there to try to be like okay well here you go go do this and she somewhat became self-independent but think of it if you ask some like a four-year-old to go independently to go use the bathroom that you're half-assed potty trained, you know, they don't fully know, or I would say like a three-year-old, three, four-year-old who, you know, isn't fully potty trained, her cognitive functioning could have declined to get that point if you're not actually yeah. trying to simulate her and do this stuff. Yeah. So therefore, like I said, she has declined through these amount of years to where she's at that level now, to where her first thought isn't, oh my God, I got to go use the bathroom. I got to go up before I, you know, I got to yeah. get up and go before I use it on myself. Her functioning is at the point where, oh, well, you know, I'm here, but you know, I think that the stimulation was gone when she reached the point of no longer wanting to take care of herself because of the 
the mental decline that she went through. And that's why we led to the situation that she's at now, or was at now. That's another thing that, that makes me curious, is her mental decline. She went from playing volleyball on a team to sitting on a couch, unable to move. Unable, supposedly she could communicate, but... That's that's a serious decline. I don't think she had anything to stimulate her mind, didn't have activities to keep her going, to encourage her to go, because look at it this way. Also, when she was homeschooling, all her friends went off to do other things, so she was isolated, and she was left to her own devices, where volleyball, all the other activities going to school, kept her with the social times and kept her active and wanting to be interactive with her friends, and when she's taken away from all that, she didn't have anything else to do except for depend on her parents, who obviously didn't give two fucks about her. Yeah. Well, she was actually naked, other than a small blue t-shirt, whenever the coroner walked in. It was actually pulled up above her chest. The hole in the couch she was sitting in, it was so deep and wide, it's ridiculous. She was literally sitting in that hole, kind of like in a crater. And she was slumped over on her left side, with her right arm across the top half of her body near her neck. She only weighed 96 pounds. That's ridiculous. She was 36 years old. That that crater she was in actually made her appear like she was buried almost up to her shoulders in that hole in the couch. Oh my god. Just from the couch wearing down from years of her not moving other than maybe rocking side to side. You can kind of see where maybe she had laid down one mm-hmm. way or another, but... It was ridiculous. And she may have also bounced, and I'm moving side to side as I say this, but she may have been doing that to stimulate her because she, she doesn't may have. have anything else to do. And that is also just something to do is just to move around and try to entertain you, so you know, can try to keep moving a little bit. So that it's may something, have been something. Yeah. So her eyes were actually wide open with her pupils fixed and dilated, which let him know that she was gone. Her mouth was wide open, showing a full set of front teeth. So, somehow or another, her teeth were taken care of to a point. Her legs were actually crossed underneath her like most of us would sit to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like Indian style or crisscross applesauce or whatever you want to call it. But it may have actually just been a way for her to survive. So, think about it. It's a way for us to get comfortable it's comforting us, right? Mm-hmm. So that's one factor of it. Maybe that was the only way she could get comfort. Another were the fucking bed sores and her skin fusing to the couch. That may be the only way she could keep some pressure off some of those sores. Yes. I mean, that's the only thing I could come up with. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But also kind of like what you're describing in a way is somewhat similar to the fetal position too, which is yes. going to offer comfort too. Yes. And before you die, when you're alone, you will you, do that. You will do that. You will do that. So, I mean, I kind of showed you while I was explaining it to you how she was sitting and it, it just sounds sad. Like she just fell over dead. She's, it's awful. I feel like she had to self-soothe herself in her last moment, which is yeah. why she ended up alone that in that fucking house. In her prison. Yes, her prison. The parents told detectives that she never complained of any pain or anything. Because she couldn't vocalize it. And she hadn't seen the doctor in about 20 years because she was never sick during that time. You telling me that girl didn't get sick for 20 years? While she's sitting there in her own shit? Bull. I don't believe you. 
Y'all just shoved it off. You didn't care. Exactly. She was an inconvenience. That's exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. And I'm not going to address it because to them, she didn't get sick, a.k.a. she wasn't nearly dying. At least to what they noticed. They thought. But they, I don't know. I don't know how they could say that, that she never complained about pain. Maybe she didn't know how to complain about pain. The coroner said you can't say she wasn't in pain. That's from the coroner. Said she she died from severe medical neglect, which led to chronic malnutrition, acute starvation, immobility, acute ulcer formation, bone infection, which finally led to sepsis. It was That's terrible. She yeah. had to have been in pain. She was also found during the autopsy to have a bacterial infection and COVID nineteen. And she had pieces of the couch cushion in her stomach. So, let, let's pause and go back to the COVID-19. She hadn't gone out of the house. So, one of those motherfuckers gave her COVID-19. COVID. Mm-hmm. And they just let her sit there. I've had COVID. I, you've had COVID, haven't you? Yes, right before it was officially diagnosed. Yeah. Because they said I had Look, something. It sucks. It does. There's no way you can tell me she sat there with COVID and did not show any kind of symptom. I agree. There's no way. And let's jump to the couch cushion in her stomach. Why was she eating the couch cushion? Yes, yes, there are some weird fascinations with eating certain stuff or, you know, people have certain... You mean oral fixations? Yeah. But pica is... Pica, that's it. Yeah. You eat things that you're not supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that is a thing. But was she eating the couch cushion because she was fucking hungry? Because that's the only thing I can come up with. My brain is telling me that, or A, hungry, B, would be that she was bored unsupervised, so she had to entertain herself. And That makes sense. I'm also, think- on. I'm also thinking that, again, cognitive de- decline, which meant that she probably quit speaking to when she became nonverbal, which is why she did not say that she was in pain. And that led, the mental decline led to other things that she was having to do to try to fill in the things, you know, kind of like... Fillers for anxiety in a way. Does that make yeah, sense? I'm yeah. not appropriately appropriately explaining it the way I should. I get, I get what you're saying. But to me... A, a coping. Because also, you said that the feces was in her hair and was around her mouth. That's something else. In certain cases of people on the spectrum, they will eat different things and they'll also eat feces. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that her decline, a mental decline and everything due to the neglect that she suffered, these were things that she just naturally did because nobody was able to d- redirect her or say, no, we can't do that or, you know, try to prevent it from happening. That makes sense. And so therefore she, you know, she was just left to her own devices and she didn't know what she was doing because they didn't give two fucks about her to try to help her. That, that that makes sense. So, Sheila and Clay, they were charged with second-degree murder and detained May 2nd, four months after their daughter died. It took four months before they decided to press charges. Why did it take so fucking long? Part of it was because they were trying to figure out how to make it second-degree murder instead of manslaughter. Okay. But part of it was because they, I mean, it's it's a rare weird I get case. that. It's kind of one of those things they were like, uh, shit, what do we do? And then it also takes into so many different accounts because of, like, just as you and I are talking right now, we're seeing it from two, two different perspectives in a way. You know, regardless, both of us agree that it's neglect, but it's try to look at it as, well, why did they do what they did and yes. why was she doing what she that's was doing? And that's, that's what's going on. 
So, with second-degree murder, just so y'all know, manslaughter is uh, accidentally killing someone. Like, uh, you can get vehicular manslaughter, accidentally killing someone in a car wreck, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you just not mean to. Uh, I think if you do it under the influence, it's more, but I'm not sure. However, second-degree murder is defined as an intentional killing that was not premeditated. Doesn't really fit. Which I was also going to say, though, where first degree, just since we're talking about this, first degree is premeditated. Yes, you think it out ahead of time. I personally feel, though, that it is second degree because I know you said it doesn't necessarily fit, but the way that I'm seeing it is the intentional effort that they put into it to not pay attention to her and abide by her medical standards the and intentional treat her neglect. that she did not meet neat the shit there's things that she did not meet because of their neglect yeah. that to me justifies second degree yeah i didn't figure out for sure if this was in louisiana or not i assume it is with the way they are going for sec- second degree murder but some states actually include depraved heart murder which is killing caused by reckless disregard for human life so that fits exactly what you're saying So, I think that's what they're going with on that. So, they're trying to get that, which would hold a sentence of 15 15 years to life in prison. Which I think they need life. Which I agree. I think that's what they're trying to go for. Point blank in the story, that's what they need. Sheila posted a $300,000 bond the next day after they were arrested. Oh, so you got the resources to get the fuck out, to get your ass out of jail. Yes. But you don't have the resources to take care of your fucking child. Thank you, because that is a high-ass bond to just go drop on a dime. I know I don't have it. No, I don't either. I don't care if it's 5% of that I ain't got it. I don't, yeah. No. I want to say I saw reports of it being like 82 or 87,000 that they dropped. damn. But yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't have that. But these guys do, and they let their daughter just rot on the couch? They could have had someone come to their house every day. Like a rotten jail. Yeah, they can. This is one that really made me... Like, I already dislike these motherfuckers, obviously. But this really rubbed me wrong. Really. Pugs! Shut up! (laughs) So, Sheila and Clay's lawyer, Stephen Moore, said, and I quote, They don't want to relive the pain of losing a child through the media. Oh my god. They have been through a lot of heartaches over the years. Anyone who has lost a child knows what it's like. Are you fucking kidding me? You didn't lose a child. You fucking let her go. Years ago. You didn't give a fuck. You're upset because now you've got to face the consequences. They lost their child when she had to be homeschooled. Yes. So they grieved that process by not taking care of her. So that explains why dad was so non-emotional, didn't really give a fuck, and why mom was just boo-hooing. Well, she wasn't really boo-hooing. Well, she was... She was sobbing a little. Sobbing but. a little. See, exactly. Like, half-ass even crying. Yeah. You know, so don't don't even. Fuck you. Yeah, so one of the things that I found in this, and I know a lot of people listening are like, well, you didn't fucking mention a locked-in syndrome. Lacey's parents said that she suffered from locked-in syndrome. What the fuck is that? Well, that's why she couldn't get off the couch or anything. It's kind of what it sounds like. I'm here bullshit. I, I get to it. <laughs> They said that she was able to communicate with them in ways, right? Thought- she she was able to communicate to the point of telling them no, she she ain't going to get up to the good bathroom, she ain't gonna do this. She was she would tell them she's fine, basically. 
they said that she was capable of making her own decisions and she was of sound mind. But she didn't tell them that she was going through any pain, even though friends made it a point to say that she was very vocal and advocating for what she wanted. And so to me, that says she would say, hey, yo, mom, dad, I got to go use the bathroom or mom and dad, I'm hurting. I would say, but I don't know the communication they had. I wish I, I don't wish I had a camera in their house to see what happened because it would tear my heart up to see her go through that. But I wish I knew what happened in their fucking house. I really want to know. So, the coroner actually also had never heard of locked-in syndrome. And he said that he they she was definitely not diagnosed with it. Like, it's he didn't even think it was a thing. I was going to say, is it even a thing? Well, I looked into it. It is, but it's, like, extremely rare. Like, it makes IIH look like it's common. <laughs> I was going to say, I have a rare brain disorder, but, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, it's it's that rare. Like, it makes your disorder look like it's nothing. It's that rare. So, it's extremely I don't rare. buy it. I just buy it. I'm still on severe neglect, and I will die on that hill, and if they don't like it, then kiss my white ass. I don't care. Well, check, check this out. <laughs> I looked into the locked-in syndrome, and you can continue living your life, but you need assistance. What it does is it limits your motor movements, and basically all you can do is move your eyes vertically, up and down. That's it. So, I watched a few videos of people with locked-in syndrome because I really wanted to understand it to see what they were trying to say. Yeah. And it seems to me like, really, they're just constantly frustrated because they know what they want to do, but their body won't allow them to. So, like, their their mind is okay, but their body There's won't work. There's another disorder or diagnosis that has the same thing. Um, oh, my God. I can't think of what it's called. There was a book written on it. It's like Tuesdays with... Tuesdays with Maury. Maury, yes. He that's had, a good book. Is it ALS? Yeah. Uh, that's where you lose function of your limbs that's, until it that's what ends I'm, up killing you. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. So... People with locked-in syndrome, or LIS as they call it, they try to communicate, but they, they really can't move. They, they can't talk. They can't use their mouth and shit, really. So they, they have to communicate with their eyes. And it's really, really ingenious. But this one that I was watching on YouTube, they came up with this letter board. It was like this clear piece of plastic. It had letters on it. And he would look at whatever letter and... The other girl, his girlfriend actually, was sitting there like A, B, you know, like going off whatever she thought he was looking at until it spelled a word. I hate to say this, so, but it's a it's a Ouija board in a way. Yeah, basically. <laughs> With your eyes. With your eyes. So I thought it was fucking ingenious. They call it letter boards. It, it's fucking ingenious to me. And that's how they have to communicate. And I've also seen a person, it was actually the same one. He could eat on his own. A little, but it was such a struggle that every time he would try to eat, he would just get frustrated and just give up and, like, just fucking done. So she would have to help him eat. So they, they really don't have motor control. There are some people, I saw another one, they can't even control their throat muscles, so they actually have to have a feeding tube inserted. I was going to ask that. So how did she eat half a sandwich and some Cheetos if she was alive? If she had locked-in syndrome, like they're saying. And even like, yeah, yes, because like you said, the guy had difficulty eating and 
And he's living and functioning with someone who is 100% supporting. See, I'm still on bullshit. I, I don't know. I kind of think that they might have, like, got on Google or something and tried to cover their ass real quick and said, we're going to call it this. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. There's, there's no way. It doesn't matter if she's already dead or not. She wasn't diagnosed with it. There's no way you're going to be able to prove it. And even if she did have it, they still neglected her by not assisting with her using the bathroom, looking to see if she had sores, and trying to assist her with feeding and entertaining herself. If she had locked-in syndrome, she would not be able to fight them away from taking her to the bed. And she wouldn't have also been able to eat the couch. Exactly. She also wouldn't have been able to smear feces on her head or her I face mean, and I her could, hair. I mean, I could and- see that because the one locked in syndrome guy that I saw, he could move his hands a little bit, but he, there was no rhyme or reason to his movements, if that makes sense. Yes. So she couldn't have controlled her hand to her face. But she could have got her hand in feces and then accidentally hit yeah. her face. That's that's possible. But how are you going to tear off couch cushion pieces? That's a fine motor ability. That's not just motor ability. That's fine motor ability. I'm saying bullshit. I'm saying bullshit too. So I don't see her eating that couch very easily. I, I don't think the There's sandwich no and way. Cheetos was ever a thing. I think it's bullshit. I'm with you. I think it's bullshit. Does she have an autopsy? Uh, yes, yes. Did the autopsy show that she had Cheetos? I did not see anything about the sandwich or Cheetos in her stomach contents. That she didn't have it. I'm still on I that. didn't see that they said she didn't, but I didn't see that she did. Well, but the- it did say bacterial infection within the stomach and all that and other stuff. And that uh, she had couch cushion in her stomach. That's right. You did say that she had an autopsy. So, mm-hmm. so see, therefore, if they found the couch cushion, they, they would have found, found Cheetos. the Cheetos in the sandwich. Point blank in the yes. story. They they didn't do anything. No. These mm. parents, and I use that very loosely, had a trial date set for February 6, 2023. But it was moved to June 19th, 2023. I couldn't really find exactly why. But... It's said that the defense attorneys are expected to introduce experts to explain the Fletchers had medical conditions that hindered their ability to care for their daughter. How? What what medical conditions do you have that keep you from going to work? What medical conditions prevented you from calling up your buddy and saying, yo, can I have $3,000 so I can bust my ass out of jail? The 87. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, they actually took care of it themselves. It was $300,000 together. Mm $300,000. Oh, never mind. But you only have to pay a certain part. But still, I mean, I'm sorry. I call bullshit because if you're able to function, if you're able to do the things that you need to do, the only thing that is being a hindrance or keeping you from doing what you're doing is your own fucking pride. Well, my thing is, if you got enough money to go bail yourself out that quick, why did you not just fucking call and see how much it would be to get a personal nurse or doctor or something? Or a specialist or something. A specialist, something. Like, shit, it wouldn't have cost them that much. No. Or they could have contacted the state or something. She was a fucking alderman. She had connections. All she had to do was say, I need help with my daughter. We can't take care of her. And she would have been put somewhere and taken care of. That's all she had to do. Like the facilities that I used to work at. So, I don't want to hear some medical condition hindered them bullshit. He's just scraping. He's just looking for something. That's exactly it. I I was actually wondering why they didn't get help from the family raising her. 
I mean, I feel that they probably didn't because they probably didn't even explain to the family that something was going on. They they probably didn't. But my thing is, it's such a small town, like... Maybe the family was out of town? Well, I checked into a little something. And first, I would like to read her obituary off. Okay. From these loving parents that lost their kid. I'm loving you just very loosely. I can tell by the look that you're giving me. <laughs> yeah. Look, if I could meet both of these people, I would slap the shit out of both of them with both hands. <laughs> so here is exactly what her obituary says, word for word. Lacey Fletcher, daughter of Clay and Sheila Fletcher of Slaughter, Louisiana, was called to be with her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on January 3rd, 2022. Relatives and friends are invited to join the family for visitation at Baker Funeral Home, 6401 Groom Road on Tuesday, January 11th, 2022, from 1, at 1 p.m. until 3 p.m., with a brief graveside service immediately falling at Hillcrest Memorial Gardens in Baker, Louisiana. What the fuck obituary is that? I feel like that's as basic as you can get, which I mean... The I- information about the funeral is longer than the obituary about her. Yeah, it is. But... I did find out that you could find some of their relatives on there who was survived by her. So I did a little digging and I found a little information. And Clay's parents died in 2007 and 2021. Okay. Which I want to say he's like 65 and 67 or something. Like he, one of them 65, one of them 67. I don't know. They're older though. They're in their 60s for sure. So... I would say Grandma and Grandpa probably wouldn't be able to take care of her either. But she did have a cousin on her dad's side who was 10 years older. So, I mean, there is someone, not saying it's fair, not saying it's right, but someone could have stepped in and helped. Sheila's father died in 2009, and as far as I can find out, her mother is still living. Thing is, Sheila has several siblings, and one of them I found is Mona Almond. She is an alderman for the town of Slaughter, just like Sheila. I've also heard that Sheila had two of her siblings living within 10 to 15 miles of them. So she could have gotten help if she wanted to. It would have been pretty fucking easy, I think. Which goes back to my whole thing of out of sight, out of mind. I don't speak about it. I don't bring it to anybody's attention. So therefore, we don't acknowledge the eyesore that is on our family. My thing is... How did they walk around in that house every day? Not only with the smell, but knowing that another human being that they created is suffering. That's where I'm at, too. I don't get it. And it's Louisiana in the... And it's hot as fuck. And hot and humid, but it was in January. Well, I mean, well, in that time frame, but I mean, all the other times. All the other times, yeah. You know. I mean, I don't know if she was like right by a window or something. I couldn't really tell all that. I couldn't find a floor plan of it. 12 years of summers. and That's another thing I want to say. The 12 years, uh, she may have been there for 12 years. I don't doubt that, but bed sores can actually develop pretty quickly. I believe that. So she could have actually gotten into that state within six or seven years. 
or five or six or something. Yeah. So it is possible she wasn't there that long, but either way, she sat on that couch for well over a year. I feel, and that's what I'm saying when when I talk about the mental decline, and I don't mean that it immediately started when those 12 years were documented. No, no. I'm saying within those 12 years, like you're saying, I think it got bad towards the end, obviously, which is like what you're talking about, like six-ish years is probably whenever she probably began to become completely nonverbal and was really struggling. And by that time, they were like, well, we've kind of made it this far doing what we're doing, so why should we change what we're doing now? Yeah. And it's led to... Just grown into that routine. Yes. Just ignoring it. Yes. Again, I say, out of sight, out of mind. That's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't understand how anyone could do that to anyone. I've seen all kinds of crazy shit like that, but... I know I've seen some people while researching this say that uh, they think maybe she had been chained down at one point or somehow kept on the couch. I wanted to say that too. And you know, it did cross my mind. How do you get someone to stay on a couch Mm -hmm. whenever all that's going on? But at the same time, you got to remember her state of mind. Mm -hmm. She's on the spectrum and they could have told her anything. And conditioning her and grooming her. They could have conditioned her that whole time. So they could have planted some shit in her head. Threatened that fucked her, her up. to do yeah. something. And yeah, because I was thinking that too. I was like, it's either one of two ways. They've either physically restrained her by some, using something or they've used some type of mental something. You know, like you said, threatening or convincing or whatever they had to do. Just a manipulation, really. Yes, to get her to where she was. Yeah, but... I mean, that's about all I got on her. It's a fucked up story. There's not a whole lot on it. It's real quiet. I think it has to do with it being such a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is public that I can find. I can't find the official coroner's report. I can just find bits and pieces. Well, also, since this is still an active case, that's it is still an active case. Yeah. And like I said, those pictures that. Or, like, of her mm-hmm. on the autopsy table, on the couch, pictures of the house. They're not going to release those. I'm fairly confident they are not going to release those. And I'm fairly confident that none of us want to see them. And I was going to say, I personally think that there's a fine line between looking at crime scene photos and then looking at things that we have no business looking at. Yes. And... It's one thing to do it for education. Yes. It's another thing to do it for your own pleasure. Yes. But I think something like this, just the information that we got is enough. We don't need the pictures to justify what no. what we already know. Honestly, after seeing the couch, it helped me understand mm-hmm. the state. But I don't think I need to see her. I completely I think agree. I think if you just see the couch, you would understand as well. Like, it's sickening and these people need to be locked up for the rest of their lives. And that's all I needed to see. And they the need couch. to be forgot about in their jail cell. Yes. Just sit there. Denied all their rights, denied everything that they're supposed Leave to have. Leave them in fucking isolation. But that's about all I got. It's, it's a fucked up case. I feel bad for Lacey. If I had ever had the chance to know her, I would have fucking hung out with her at least once. Been like, you know, let me see what's up, how you doing? You, I'd be her friend. Yeah, we could have broed out on some Disney movies. They, they won't say shit about Disney movies and shit, but... Hell, I'm in my 30s. I still love Disney movies. I'll throw down. I watch Nightmare Before Christmas every year, Same. first of all. Same. I've got a tattoo of Simba on my shoulder. Th- that you do. In fact, I shout out to one of our friends from high school, Chelsea. She has Disney sleeves. I don't know if you've seen them. I'll no. show you pictures later. I'll get on Facebook. I'm jealous. Yeah. 
She has like, oh, they're really cool. She has like ton of Disney tattoos That's all cool. over her. She's she's in her thirties now. Yeah, yeah, she would and be. she's still getting them. Like it's still being added on to. There's nothing wrong. There's with nothing it. wrong with that. So if you're a Disney fan, keep trucking. You it's get a awesome. special badge too. Ding. <laughs> Maybe we should actually make a ding. <laughs> Start giving badges out. <laughs> now nah, people are gonna probably turn us off. <laughs> but I'll tell you who's not gonna get a badge. That's the fucking parents. Yeah, no, the only badge they're going to get is one with my fist in it. <laughs> Man, they suck. They're some awful people. So, that's all I got for today. Remember to take care of other people. I've said it before. You can't get through this life by yourself. I don't care how antisocial you are. You need someone to have your back. I agree with that. It kind of goes back to what we were saying at the very beginning of even though life hits you stupid fucking hard. But even with me, right, a couple of months before that, life hit me stupid fucking hard. But both of us was there mm-hmm. for each other. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's good to know that regardless if everything falls apart, you at least have a support system somewhere. You know what this case reminds me of? What? There's a case. I don't remember the name. I'll have to get with you after the podcast and show it to you. But there's a there's a parent, a mother, but parents that got some kids and like locked them in their house and all that. And their her sister, their aunt, came to visit and move in with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she started noticing weird things like how they treated the kids and shit. So the aunt noticed some weird things going on and whatever. Come to find out those parents had just been torturing those kids and not letting people come in and visit and see them and shit. And I feel like that's the same case. They didn't have anyone come in and visit and see her and shit. Yep, so they were able to get away with it. Yeah, that that's sad. Like, look, if your neighbors have a kid, maybe you should just be like, hey, what's up with your kid? You know, keep an eye out. If you see something suspicious, say something. Yes, if you see something, say something. The regardless. bystander effect is real. That it is. That it is. One of us will have to do something on that because yes. it's, it's I actually really real. took a little course on it whenever I was in college and my criminal justice stuff. We had a little seminar on bystander effect. So bystander effect, if you don't know what it is, it's that you think someone else is going to call and everyone ends up thinking the same thing, so no one calls. So just get out there and make a call. If if nothing's wrong, then nothing's wrong. But if something's wrong, you could save someone's life. But that's all I've got for today. Well, until next time, which maybe, hopefully, we'll have not such a depressing story (laughs) we'll see it shouldn't be i had to come back hard like usual (laughs) (laughs) but i guess you guys will find out when we find out i guess so so until next time i don't even know how to say i guess next time figure out how to end your podcast instead of just freezing and looking at each other (laughs) it's probably a good idea (laughs) (laughs) bye guys see ya All research is done by Shelby Hudgens, Courtney Pilant, and Tina Collins. A special thanks to Tina Collins for managing us, and we are a lot to manage. All social media is linked in the description below. Be sure to follow us, and don't forget to leave a rating on wherever you get your podcast. If you have an interesting topic that you'd like to hear on our podcast, please email it to allthingsmacabre.pod at gmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E. Did this episode make you say, What the fuck?